0: and you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash SlashFilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to SlashFilm Daily for July 11th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the latest film and television news. My name is Ben Pearson, I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by writer Chris Evangelista.
1: Hello.
0: Chris, how's it going? All right, how are you? I am doing great, thanks. Uh, so let's just go ahead and jump into the news today. Uh, first up, a new RoboCop movie is on the way. Tell us about this.
1: Uh, yes. So uh, so for some reason, uh, they're going to try and make RoboCop again. Um, there was a 2014 remake of the original Paul Verhoeven film, and it was not very good. And now MGM is, is going back to the drawing board in a way with... Um, uh, the original film's writer is Ed Newmeyer and Michael Miner. I, I pr- perhaps pronounced their names wrong, if so. I'm sorry. Uh, they wrote the original film, and they wrote... The original script for this film, which is now going to be rewritten by Justin Rhodes, who wrote the upcoming Terminator film. So Justin Rhodes is carving a name out for himself as a guy who writes robot movies. But the (laughs) the, the the big piece of news here is that Neil Blomkamp, the director of District 9 and Chappie, is going to helm the film. And uh, that's the thing that sort of gives me pause here. And, you know, Neil, Neil Blomkamp, his career started out really well because District 9 is a very good film. And uh, in my opinion, everything he's made since then has been not very good. Uh, you know, he's got an okay visual style. His films look good, but the, the stories leave a lot to be desired. So, you know, with that said, if this film has a good script, he might be able to pull it off. Um, uh, And what they're doing here is, instead of just doing a straight up reboot, this film is going to be uh, a sequel of sorts to the first film. It's kind of similar to what they're doing with the new Halloween, where it's both a reboot and also a sequel to the original. So Meyer and Miner, well, you said they wrote the original draft of this. Did they write the
0: original draft like in the whatever the 90s or the 80s, like after the uh, right after the original RoboCop came out and in, in uh, with the plans of making that sequel then, and it just never happened? <laughs>
1: It wasn't that soon, but they have been sitting on this script for a while, and uh, I guess MGM thought now was the time to do it. Interesting. Uh, okay. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, I'm like right there with you in terms of Neil Blomkamp and his filmography. I think District 9 is really great, and it's been like uh, really decreasing returns ever since. But I, I know that uh, Peter Soredda, the editor-in-chief of Slash Realm, he was talking about at least uh, Blomkamp will be able to make. RoboCop look cool, and that's definitely one thing that he uh, has the ability to do. You know, he's always been really great in terms of design. Like, even Elysium, a movie that I don't really like very much at all, um, has a lot of really cool-looking shots in it. Like you were saying, his movies look good, and I I feel like all of the production design that he and his team do really craft these worlds that feel lived in. So maybe... Yeah, you're right. I I think if if there's a good script there, that, that seems to be the thing that he has been lacking over the past, I don't know, what is it, 10 years almost since District 9 came out? So, um, yeah, I guess we'll just have to hope that that uh, this script is up to snuff. Um, uh, I guess one thing I wanted to mention very briefly, this is not like a major story that we need to talk about because we're not even sure what the full effects of it are, but I did want to mention it really quick, is uh, a Fox shareholder has sued to stop Disney's acquisition of Fox. I know we've talked a lot about the Disney Fox acquisition and the deal and all of that stuff uh, on this podcast. We've sort of been monitoring the progress of that as it's been uh, going along. And uh, we wrote an article today that uh, a shareholder named Robert Weiss filed a complaint in Delaware federal court uh, on Friday Alleging that the prospectus from Fox was incomplete, basically, saying that that it omits or misrepresents certain information, um, I guess mostly pertaining to Goldman Sachs, uh, the who like advised Fox on the merger. and there's some sort of uh, potential conflicts of interest going on there. There's like some financial projections for Fox's stake in Hulu that weren't detailed in this. A prospectus plan that was supposed to be sent out to the shareholders and the the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, a lot of this sounds like stuff that's over my head to be honest with you but because um, I'm not I'm not uh, full-on you know fully versed in like the uh, the ins and outs of massive corporate business deals but um, but it sounds like this could potentially be a speed bump for Disney uh, and Fox the I think the studio called it quote frivolous but I you know people People have, uh, have said uh, a lot worse things about lawsuits that ended up moving forward. So I'm not sure what that is, but I just wanted to throw that out there in case, uh, you know, we come back in a couple days and talk about, oh, wow, the whole thing's off now. Uh, this could be a good sign for Comcast, who is also vying for uh, the acquisition of Fox. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, Chris, let's move on to our next story. And that is that the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie is apparently actually happening for real 100% now. Is that right?
1: Yes, it is. Uh, we, we've more or less known for a few months now that uh, this film was in the works at Warner Brothers, and you know the rumor was that Joaquin Phoenix was going to star. Um, and you know, for for months and weeks now, we've been getting articles that have been sort of confirming he's doing it, but nothing has been officially announced. But now it is official. He's officially signed a contract, and Joaquin Phoenix will play the Joker in a standalone Joker movie for Todd Phillips, the director of uh, The Hangover and other films. And I uh, I really don't know what to make of this because you know Joaquin Phoenix, great actor. I actually I actually think he might be. The best actor working right now, the best male actor at least, and uh, you know, so that is promising to see him, you know, lead a film like that. That has promise, but I we don't really need a standalone Joker movie. And also, you know, the rumor is this is going to be an origin story, and I really hate that because. You know, the Joker always works better, at least in my opinion, as a mystery. You know, one of the things that made the Joker so cool in The Dark Knight was that we knew nothing about him. He was just this, like, enigma. Mm-hmm. And, to, you know, to show, like, his origin, and, you know, they've mentioned they might draw on Alan Moore's The Killing Joke, that just seems really boring to me. I mean, I feel like The Killing Joke has been done to death. We, you know, we don't need to keep going back that well. Tell something new. And I'm also not really ecstatic about. Todd Phillips directing this you know if this was like a different director I might be more thrilled but as of now I'm I'm sort of on the fence. I'm
0: so curious about this movie like in a in a train wreck sort of way like I think all of these pieces sound so incongruous to me like I cannot fathom that Joaquin Phoenix would look at this and think it was a good idea to play the Joker in an origin story like as you, you mentioned I think in your article that he came very close to playing Doctor Strange for Marvel and he didn't want to be a part of that movie making uh, machine because he thought he was going to get signed to multiple movies and stuff. One has to assume then that this is just going to be a one-and-done kind of thing, like an in-and-out one-time Joker uh, portrayal for Joaquin Phoenix, which I'm guessing is probably pretty attractive to him uh, from an acting perspective. He doesn't have to get locked down into multiple movies and all that, but like, if they're also making another Joker movie with Jared Leto, that it just... I guess I'm continuously – I'm as baffled
1: now as I ever have been by any of the news about this thing. It's very weird, and I feel like this is going to backfire because this is what's going to happen. They're going to make this movie, and it might be good, and at the very least, Joaquin Phoenix is going to be phenomenal. He's going to you know be the best Joker we've seen since Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. but then they're just going to go ahead – and make more Joker movies with Jared Leto and everyone's going to be furious because no one's <laughs> going to want that. They're going to be like, "Oh great, we had this great Joker and now we're back to Jared Leto." Like that's gonna, it's going to just going to backfire so badly.
0: <sighs> yeah, we'll have to see about that and and you know, the like Todd Phillips does not strike me as the right person for this job, but uh, I maybe he has a take that is interesting and maybe all of this could come together and and you know, Martin Scorsese is executive producing this thing, so I, I have to just as as ridiculous as it all sounds on its face, I have to believe that there's something more to this that has drawn all of these people together and I just hope it coheres into something that is uh at, at least entertaining and memorable, if if not uh, you know, out, outright great at the end. So uh, we'll definitely keep you guys posted when more casting news um starts rolling in for that. Like, you know, how how long how long until Rooney Mara has cast his uh as Harley Quinn I in know, that, that version? Like <laughs>
1: uh yeah that just seems inevitable and it should happen so make it happen <laughs> Warner Brothers <laughs> yeah you might as well like go all in you know get ridiculous with it
0: um okay so let's move on to our next story and that is uh Black Panther's Chadwick Boseman is uh, producing in and starring in a new action movie called 17 Bridges that is going to be produced by the Russo brothers uh, Joe and Anthony Russo who uh, directed him in Captain America Winter So I'm sorry Captain America Civil War and uh also um What is it? Avengers Infinity War, the one that just came out. Uh, Bozeman, of course, plays Black Panther in the Marvel movies. And this uh, 17 Bridges movie follows a disgraced NYPD detective who, after being thrust into a citywide manhunt hunt for a cop killer, is given a shot at redemption. Uh, this movie is going to be directed by Brian Kirk, who's probably best known for directing the first couple episodes of the Idris Elba detective show Luther. And he, uh, Brian Kirk, also directed a couple episodes—I think maybe three or four episodes actually—of the first season of Game of Thrones. Um, I, I, I really like Chadwick Boseman as a performer, but I feel like Black Panther is not the best uh, character f- that that really shows range for him. Like, d- I feel like he sort of got lost in his own solo movie. Do you agree with that, Chris? Or do you think he, he was more of a standout performer than I do? Mm-hmm.
1: No, I I agree. I mean, he's a good actor, but Black Panther, that supporting cast is... It's like wall-to-wall great actors, so it's true. He did kind of get lost in the shuffle, although he did really stand out in um, Civil War. I thought he was like one of the highlights of that film, but uh, one thing I like about this is I like that he's doing something else. I, I feel like a lot of Marvel actors, they just they kind of stay with Marvel. Like Robert Downey Jr. hasn't really done anything. He did like The Judge, which was a terrible movie. And <laughs> beyond that, he's, he's really only done Marvel movies. And the same for like Chris Evans and all these actors. Like I like the idea that he's going to, you know, do other things because I feel like too often these actors get trapped in, in the Marvel zone.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't want to disparage uh, Chadwick Boseman as a performer, but I, I just think maybe it's like, like you were saying, the the supporting casts that he's been in, in the Avengers films and, and you know, especially Black Panther, like they're so great that I, I wonder if he sort of gets um, overshadowed just by the people around him or if it's the character of T'Challa, who is at least in Black Panther and uh, Infinity War, sort of like a calm, even handed voice of reason almost in in a, a crazy kind of world i think it, maybe the reason or i don't want to speak for you but maybe the reason he worked a little bit better for you in civil war is because he is like uh on a mission you know he's like he's got like a, a little bit of vengeance at play um and and he has like some fire in him and he seems a little bit more subdued in the other films that we've seen thus far i don't know
1: no, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, in Infinity War, he had pretty much nothing to do. I, I was actually really surprised because, you know, all the marketing played him up in the movie because Black Panther was such a big hit. But I, I feel like he's in Infinity War for like five minutes. So, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I, I want somebody to do a, a full clock on that. I think I think there was like an infographic that was floating around like during while the movie was in theaters, but I, I want somebody to get it on a home video and, and actually like bust out a stopwatch and <laughs> do some real timing breakdowns for those characters. Um, so our next story uh, also involves a Disney product, or I guess a bunch of different Disney properties. Um, Indiana Jones 5 has moved its release date, and Disney has locked down several other releases. Chris, give us the update
1: uh yeah so uh, word broke a little while ago uh, some uh, you know a few weeks ago that david coep who was originally writing the indiana jones 5 script was being more or less replaced by jonathan castan um and at the time we weren't sure if jonathan castan was doing like a, a brief rewrite if he was just doing a polish but uh, almost immediately after that news came, news then came that the film was going to miss its 2020 release date, which means Jonathan Kazan is doing a a big uh, rewrite on this, probably writing it from scratch from the start. And now it is a new official release date, and that is July 9th, 2021, which sounds so uh futuristic i can't even believe it and harrison <laughs> harrison ford will be 79 years old when when they're doing this so um when that film comes out so it's going to be wild i don't know yeah that's um i can't believe that they're pushing
0: it this late because i think originally it was supposed to come out in 2019 right
1: oh uh, yeah i believe that's true and then they've you know spielberg is always working on something so you know he, he's also doing west side story which is also due out which is due out in 2020 so that'll be Uh, In between, I guess.
0: Okay, so what other Disney projects were sort of shuffled around in this whole thing?
1: Uh, Maleficent 2 got a new release date. That's May 29th, 2020. Uh, The Rock movie Jungle Cruise. It will hit theaters October 11th, 2019. Uh, Mary Poppins Returns was supposed to come out on Christmas Day, and they moved that back to December 19th. Um there's also a untitled Marvel movie. Uh this of course could be anything. It was, this was supposed to come out whatever it is on July 30th, 2021, but it's now been moved to February 12th, 2021, and the move from July to February has many people, uh us included, uh, surmising that this might be Black Panther 2 because Black Panther came out in February of this year and it was a huge hit. And Disney and Marvel could be saying, you know, let's let's make February, you know, the Black Panther month. Let's, you know, let's let's let
0: it own that month. But, Chris, I don't understand after what happened at the end of Avengers Infinity War. How can that be? Oh, (laughs) I I don't know. I guess I'm guessing it's a prequel. That's all the future Marvel movies. are. And then there was also a title change in this whole thing, right?
1: Uh, yes, Wreck-It Ralph 2. Uh, it originally had the very clunky title, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Wreck-It Ralph 2 is now just called Ralph Breaks the Internet. So they, they you know, they got rid of the Wreck-It Ralph 2 part. I feel like they should have just gone with Wreck-It Ralph
0: two instead yes. of Ralph Breaks the Internet, right? <laughs> like what, I what? guess yeah. somebody in the in the Disney offices was just like, "All right, this title's too clunky. Just chop half of it off. You know what to do." And some assistant's like, "Yep, I know exactly what to do." <laughs> and sent out the press release, and they were like, "What are you doing? It's the wrong yeah. half."
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so there there you have it.
0: Uh, great stuff. All right, uh, so uh, moving from Marvel over to DC, uh, the movie Shazam is in the works. This one I, I'm actually kind of uh, a little bit more excited about than a lot of the other DC comics adaptations that are in the works because it just seems very light and uh, and fluffy and sort of ridiculous, but like uh, bright and and um, you know embracing uh, the cheery tones that the DC. Uh, movie universe so often does not embrace. Um, Zachary Levi stars as the title Hero Shazam, and the casting news that I wanted to talk about today is that we just found out that Jaimin Hansu, the actor who actually was in uh, a Marvel movie, he played uh, Korath in Guardians of the Galaxy, the guy who's hunting down chris pratt's star lord character uh hansu is now part of the shazam cast he's playing a three thousand year old sorcerer from ancient ancient egypt who uses his powers to fight evil and has been seeking a successor to carry on his mission uh, his character's name is the wizard and he ends up giving his powers to a young child named billy batson who's played by an actor named asher angel who uh, that character turns into the fully grown adult superhero called Shazam. So that's the, the basic premise of this movie. We're not entirely certain... Uh, how big Jaiman Hansu's role is going to be in this but it's interesting because this role was previously reported to belong to a guy named Ron Cephas Jones I think that's how you pronounce his name he is on the NBC uh, sitcom this is us which everybody loves that, but I've never seen so I can't really speak to his uh, his acting abilities because that's the only thing that I think he's like most prominently known for right now but he's also
1: uh, on uh, he's also on
0: Luke Cage too oh okay yeah man I, I have missed most of the Marvel shows so uh, have, have you you watched luke cage i know you you often review a lot of those netflix uh, marvel shows
1: yeah yeah i watched both season one and two and you know it's all right it, it's <laughs> like like every marvel netflix show it's it's like five episodes too long yeah yeah
0: um uh, so uh i guess that that casting although seemingly official at the time uh, ended up falling apart and now Jamin hansu has stepped into that role um shazam is already like pr- the production of the movie is already done so they're going into um into post-production right now. And that film comes out on April 5th, 2019. So uh, basically it's just, uh, you know, one more name added to, to the trivia section that'll probably pop up in uh, bars across the country of the number of actors who have had roles in both the Marvel cinematic universe and the DC Uh, extended universe or whatever the hell they're calling that uh, movie universe these days. Um, So before we get into our feature presentation, I wanted to uh, mention one more bit of casting news, and that is that the Why the Last Man FX series has announced its cast. So um, Why the Last Man is a comic book that that launched in 2002. Brian K. Vaughn wrote it, and I think it's Pia Guerra is how you pronounce her name, is the artist. And um, it's a really fantastic uh, comic series, Chris. I know you have not read this, right?
1: I have not. I've I've always heard good things about it. It's one of those things I've you know always wanted to get around to. I just never have.
0: Yeah, it, I, and I know that you read comics occasionally, uh, and I, I would highly, highly recommend adding this to the top of your list because it is. It's one of those things that's like, um, I guess, sort of like preacher. It, it always I, I sort of put the two in my mind because they came out. Uh, within the same, like, I don't know, era of uh, the popularity of graphic novels were really taking off in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, and um, uh, Why the Last Man is it's such a cool concept, and it, it's, like, a high-concept premise, which is the main character, his name is Yorick Brown, discovers that he is, like, after a, a plague suddenly decimates most of Earth's population. He realizes that he's, like, the last human male on earth and it's just women who are taking over uh, who, who have been left alive basically. So they have to sort of rebuild the world, in the ashes of this cataclysmic event. Um, and it's a really cool premise, and the the entire comic is like so cinematic, and there have been discussions about a movie version and a TV version for over a decade at this point. Uh, Shia LaBeouf was at one point in talks to star in a movie version, but now um, FX, the network, has decided to order a pilot, and they are going to make this show, and Barry... God, do you know how to pronounce his last name? Barry Keoghan? Ke- Keegan? Ke- I... I, I,
1: <laughs> I uh... I think it's Key Okay.
0: That's how I say it. Yeah. So he is from, uh, what is he starring? He started in Dunkirk, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and uh, I know him most recently from American Animals. He has been tapped to play the male lead, Yorick Brown, and Diane Lane from Justice League and Under the Tuscan Sun and tons of other things has also joined the cast. She's going to be playing a senator who is Yorick's mother. Um, There's a ton of other people involved in this cast, including Imogen Poots from Green Room, uh, Marin ireland juliana canfield and lashana lynch who is going to be in the upcoming captain marvel uh who all fills out the rest of that uh the cast for the show so if you guys are interested in why the last man first of all i would highly again recommend um reading the comic, and then uh, going to slashfilm.com, checking out this article, and, and you can read about which characters, which actor is going to play which character and all that. Um, so let's get into our feature presentation today, and that is, Chris, you wrote this huge article called Road to Fallout, How Mission Impossible Became the Best Modern Action Franchise. I admittedly have not had a chance to read this yet. It is waiting in an open tab for me to finish my work today. I'm very excited about reading this because I love the Mission Impossible movies, uh, and apparently you do too because you wrote a lot, of many, many words about them. Uh, tell us about this article. What the gist of it is, and uh, and what you've learned revisiting all of these films.
1: Oh uh, yeah, so this is a it's close to nine thousand words. Uh, so I'm sorry everyone who hates <laughs> super long reads, but I I hope everyone out there will give it give it a shot and read it. Um, yeah, the Mission Impossible franchise is I honestly think the best modern action franchise right now. I know some people might say, you know, the Fast and the Furious movies, but I think this this tops that. Um, and yeah, so the, so what I did was I went through every single film and I broke it down and I tried to figure out, you know, how it, it you know, became so good, you know, and it, it's, it's really, it's one of the few franchises, I think at least, that sort of learns from it, its mistakes. Everything that doesn't work in the previous film is sort of jettisons that or retools it to make it work again and uh, in many ways the the film the, the series almost like reboots itself with each new film because the team usually changes the, you know the the uh, the guy running IMF usually changes you know the only constant is Tom Cruise until, you know, recently where, you know, Ving Rhames has been all the, in all the films and now Simon Pegg is pretty much a, a constant presence. And now Rebecca Ferguson is, is turning into one too. And I hope she stays that way because she's like the best uh, element of, of this franchise the best new addition to the franchise. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, um it, it's, I don't know what to say because. <laughs> well, we, I, talked, I
0: ro- we talked on a recent episode about um, uh, of this show. I think about the how we both really liked uh, Rogue Nation, and I just revisited that movie. Um, I have not had a chance to to rewatch any of the uh, older films uh, in the lead up to Fallout, which is coming out very soon later this month. But um, rewatching those did you uh i guess aside from rogue nation was did anything surprise you about re-watching these movies that maybe you'd forgotten about or, or did any particular entry do anything particularly well that you had forgotten that it, it may be like executed at a high level
1: uh yeah so you know uh, mission impossible 2 has you know the reputation for being you know the worst in the series and while i'd agree with that because it is the lesser of all the films uh, rewatching it for this uh, made me realize it's a lot better than I thought it would be. You know, it still has a lot of problems. The villain is incredibly boring. Uh, almost all the characters are kind of dull. But Tandy Newton is phenomenal in this movie. And she and Tom Cruise actually have really good chemistry together, which I had either just not noticed when I first saw it or forgotten about. But, uh, you know, like the sexual chemistry between these two is actually really good good it, it's it's surprising like there's a scene where they're in this crazy car chase and then after they get to the car chase they you know they make out and it was it was surprisingly sexy i was like i i had forgotten this franchise could you know do that yeah and, that's a good point uh, and it's
0: hard for tom cruise to have that chemistry with female leads it's like the you know for movies like the mummy and stuff it's like it's like they hollywood throws these random women at him and it's it it almost never works, but that's a good point. I, I do remember that working really well in that movie.
1: It's true, yeah. I feel like he, you know Tom Cruise. I like Tom Cruise. He, I think he's a good actor at what he does, but I agree that he does often not have great chemistry with his female leads, and he has it with Tandy Newton, and he has it with Rebecca Ferguson. And uh, a, a big issue, a big thing that makes that work, and it's the same thing with Emily Blunt in uh, Edge of Tomorrow, is that. Those characters aren't female – they're not love interests for him. They're just, like, co-leads. And I feel like that's kind of, like, the secret that Tom Cruise learned making Edge of Tomorrow because, you know, they could have made Rebecca Ferguson's character his love interest in uh, Rogue Nation, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christopher – how do you say his name? Macquarie? Macquarie, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I read an interview with him where he was saying, you know, if it hadn't been for Edge of Tomorrow and Emily Blunt's character, they would have never – sort of come up with the idea of rebecca ferguson's character ilsa foss so they sort of learned from the chemistry uh tom cruise had in edge of tomorrow to you know team him up with another really capable ass-kicking female lead that's great and
0: that makes me love edge of tomorrow even more than i already do because both of those movies are really great that and rogue nation uh all right so i guess just to wrap this up um i don't know if you do this in your article but do you have a ranking for your preference for mission impossible movies
1: uh i don't rank them because i think someone else is writing a ranking for the site but uh i will give you my ranking now it goes five four one three two uh and uh, to be clear I, i think all these movies are really good um even you know Three, I, a lot of people seem to not like 3 which I find kind of strange because 3 is, is a really good movie I mean Philip Seymour Hoffman is phenomenal in that mm-hmm. movie he's he's the best villain the franchise has ever had because he's really he's he's scary he's you know th- that character as written is really one note you know because he's just like a generic bad guy on paper but mm-hmm. the way Philip Seymour Hoffman plays him is so like scary and intimidating and he, he just plays him as this you know, this really evil guy and it, it works so well. And that movie is really well directed. JJ Abrams, uh, he, you know, that was his feature debut and he, he stages some really great action scenes in that movie. So, yeah. you know,
0: absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And he's, he was coming off of the lost pilot, which was like a two hour thing. So I feel like that was a good test run for him in terms of like, you know, telling a sustained story over that long at, with a huge budget. Cause I think the lost pilot was like the most expensive TV pilot ever made at that, at that time. Yeah. Um, so I guess for my ranking, I haven't really thought about this too much, but but now you know, hearing you talk about it and and just looking at some of these images uh, without having fully read your piece, I think my ranking is uh, five, three, one. Four two, and that surprises me because i I wouldn't have thought that I would have put Ghost Protocol that near the bottom, but because that Burj Khalifa sequence is so outstanding, but I think that movie just has a higher high than any other movie, and I don't know if it has enough to sustain it throughout the whole thing. I think this franchise, like you're saying it's it's so consistent, it's so good. Um, even two, which is a movie that I really like, and I recently went to bat for on an episode of this podcast, uh, is a movie that I, I would, you know, unquestionably watch if it was on TV. Uh, you know, I would not change the channel at all if I, if I stumbled across this film, um, which I know is like many people's, uh. A barometer for uh, whether or not they find something uh, enjoyable on a pulp level. So um, this franchise is fantastic. I think both of us are really looking forward to Mission Impossible Fallout and I hope that everybody gives, gets a chance to check out your full uh, Road to Fallout article. You can find That and all more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes of this this episode. Uh, SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find at the site. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. And please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. Be sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Chris, before we go, where can people find more of your work online?
1: Uh, I am, of course, at SlashFilm.com and you can find me on Twitter at c evangelista 413
0: I am also on SlashFilm.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It really helps us out in terms of visibility. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word any way you can. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.